That ball was on the line. The ball was at least one meter over the line. Who gives a shit? That ball was on the line. The ball was at least one meter. The ball was at least one meter over the line. Who gives a shit? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode, I believe, 18. 18, we are getting, or I'm sorry, 19. We're Holy getting to 19. We're almost, at, we're almost at 20. Um, Welcome to episode tw- uh, 19 of On the Line, Off the Line, Who Gives a Shit podcast. Um, just to get the, the, the normal stuff out of the way, please reach out to us either via email or drop us a voicemail question. The email is otlfootballpodcast at gmail.com, um, or you can drop us a line at 312-529-8374. Um, you can always always check us out on Twitter at otlfootballpod and Facebook and Instagram at otlfootballpodcast. Um, I'm here tonight with the good doctor, Dr. John. Um, How are we doing, Casey? Doing well. Um, you know, we're just... Uh, Kind of settling into the middle of the week um, in the States. Uh, for anybody that's listening outside, it's been an interesting week um, from a election standpoint as we're getting to we're getting up uh, to gear up to the general elections and we're in the middle of the primaries for um, all of our political goings on for president, uh, which is interesting. And then, you know, we also have... A lot of stuff going on with the coronavirus or con convid nineteen covid 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 nineteen kofifi 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 nineteen. So tonight we're gonna kind of dive into the Premier League and some of the things that's happening in the league, um, and then in part two I'm gonna kind of rely on John for us to to talk about just how this. Um, I guess is it really just a version of the flu? Is that is that a sim- too simplification? Yeah, it is. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll we'll uh, definitely dive dive deep into that. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that and how it's going to affect um, you know some of the sporting events around the world. I know there's been a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in, uh, said about the Olympics in Japan. Um, you know, we'll talk about what's going on in some of the leagues, uh, primarily like Syria, um, and and some of the things that could happen over the summer with. Uh, some of the larger gatherings, um, you know, in England and across Europe, we have the Euros. This is the first time this is going to be taking place across the entirety of Europe, which will be interesting. Um, but we'll get into that in part two. So let's just dive into part one. Uh, we'll just go through some of the games that happened this weekend. Um, John, just so you know, the scores, because of the way that I do them, they're backwards. So the bot, it goes bottom to top. I see that now. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, we did yeah. that last. We went through that last week. <laughs> Formatting issues from when, screenshotting uh, of a website. But the first game of the week was a bit of an upset with Norwich City um, beating Leicester City one nil. Uh, beautiful goal by Lewis, cross from Max Ahrens, who is a quite young and promising um, uh, fullback, wingback, um, right back of all things, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It was a scrappy game for Leicester. Um, they didn't have, you know, a lot of great chances. Jamie Vardy's kind of struggling lately. Um, but Norwich City uh, putting some points on the board for the first time in a, in, in a while. Um, this is their first win in five. And uh, that's with one draw and three losses. So they're on 21 points for the year. Um, that is... 
six off safety, so they need at least two wins just to to, to draw a level with West Ham, Watford, and Bournemouth. So yeah, I mean, I think it was I think it was a huge upset. Yeah. Um, obviously, it wasn't the hugest last weekend. But um, no, I think I think everyone on that team looked good. I'm still amazed that they're that they're in last place. I know that they've had a rough string, but at the, at the beginning of the season, they were they were they were they were looking quite good. Um, I don't know. Do you do do you think that this would could potentially lead to a winning streak and maybe improve their shot of? Um, I mean, keeping in the league. You know, Daniel Farka after the game, they're 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 um their manager uh you know he was like this has been the first two games in a row i think that they've had um two first team center backs fit or like the ability to choose their their two first team center backs yeah. um you know since the beginning of the season so they've had a really rough go of it um i i, I don't know if you know this but today they beat spurs um they drew 1-1 at Spurs uh, in the FA Cup, and then they took it to penalties and won on penalties. Um, so they are on to the next round of the FA Cup, which is huge. Yeah, for sure. But I also wonder how much of that's going to take away. I mean, it, it could go either way, right? Um, you know, it could it could buoy them to the point of, like, you know, wanting to bounce back in the league, um, or they could take their eye off the ball in the league and be so focused on the FA Cup that they they miss out on some some the ability to pick up points and especially w- with all the injuries that they've had. Exactly, that's a and huge the, risk. And the rest of the games for them this season um, are Sheffield United, Southampton, um, both winnable games. Uh, Sheffield United a much harder game than Southampton. Um, then Everton, Arsenal, Brighton, Watford, um, West Ham, Chelsea, Burnley, and then they end the the season on City. So they have some games where they they can be competitive, but you know it's going to be really difficult. Um, I think for them to to really get themselves out of this because they need. I mean, I would argue they need at least four or five wins yeah. um, to really make sure that they stay up. But you never know. I mean, right now we have we have three teams that are. Um, that are, you know, struggling at the bottom of the table, um, and all on twenty-seven points. Uh, West Ham, Watford, and Bournemouth, and then you have Villa, who have a game in hand. Um, they'll have to play Sheffield United some point at some point before the end of the season, um, and then Norwich on twenty-one. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on down there, um, and only you know, in the, those bottom five teams, only West Ham and Watford have won. Uh, won their last game. Oh, West Ham, Wofford, and Norwich have won their last game. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a, it's, it was an interesting weekend for teams at the bottom and, uh, and, uh, winning games. Uh, interestingly enough, speaking but, of upsets, speaking of upsets, um, you know, the late game on Saturday was Watford, Liverpool, Watford won by three goals. Um, Saar with uh, a brace and Troy Deeney with a third, Liverpool just look tired. Um, they look a bit unfocused. Mm-hmm. Um, they've lost three of their last four, and they they could have uh, lost, or at least they should have dropped a point at, with West Ham at home. Um, but then again, you are also are, are playing Anfield, so you can add a, a you know a little bit to their game when they're playing mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, a loss to Watford, a loss to Chelsea. The uh, uh, you know, I think yesterday Monday or uh, Monday. Um, so just two days after they lost again to Chelsea and then 
before the West Ham game, they lost to uh, Madrid 1-0 in uh, Atletico. So I wish I was at the bar to watch those fans. Yeah, I it's, mean, uh, we, you know, and it's funny, we left early. We left, yeah, uh, yeah we left before that game started just because we didn't want to deal with the, the amount of Liverpool fans that were there. Um, but, it, I mean, listen, it's fun to sit here and say that, like, you know, it's nice to see them have a dip in the season just because they, they are, you know, the best team in the world, arguably. Um, I don't really have anything else to say. It's just fun to watch that. <laughs> it's fun to watch the fans um, uh, freak out. Um, they're obviously still going to win the league. I don't think that's up for debate. It would take it would take a massive, massive, massive Collapse. fuck up, yes. to for them to mm-hmm. to actually lose the league to to City, and then City would just have to win out pretty much. Um, yeah, but I really don't see that happening in, in any way, shape, or form. Right. Uh, it's 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 theirs. I think I, I'm very uh, confident in that. I uh, and to the fans, I think I think everything is going to be just fine. For you guys, yeah, I mean it's really crazy though. I mean Watford came into this game, um, they hadn't won in their last four before this, so they had three losses and a draw. Um, you know their their negative sixteen goal difference right now. They've let in forty three goals this season. Um, only West Ham, Bournemouth, Villa, and uh, and Norwich have let in more goals this season. Um, oh, and Southampton, mm-hmm. um, which is rough, but for some weird reason they they clicked. Um, you know, Nigel Pearson for whatever whatever he's done there is is has at least got them playing football. Um, and and Sar, who I think a lot of people at the beginning of the season thought was a good player, um, and had the ability to be a good player. I think that. He put a game together. Um, Will Hughes had a great pass to him uh, for one of his goals. And then, obviously, there were some shakeups at the back um, for um, for Liverpool with their goalkeeper speaking to their defense. And then the third goal was just kind of a mistake by the goalkeeper passing it back out to one of his defenders and Troy Deeney being able to, to latch onto the ball and then uh, bring it back in and, and score. So... Mm-hmm. And then I also think, you know, there's also a bit of an issue with him coming out a little too early, I think, on the second ball as well. But, I mean, Allison's been the best keeper in the league um, this season pretty much. Um, so it's hard to really criticize him. It's kind of like <clears throat> it's kind of like when we were talking uh, last week about West Ham playing Liverpool um, and uh, West Ham playing Liverpool and Fabianski being the weak link and actually losing that game for West Ham, mm-hmm. it's a little too hard to be too difficult on him just because he's been such a consistent player for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Dijan Lovren came back in at center back and got a lot of stick for this, but you know I think that um, it, it pretty much shows you know the code the, the Jurgen Klopp comes out and says it's just you can't just sit there and blame him. Um, yeah, you know it. It's, yeah, yeah. It was a team game and it was a team loss. I think um, I know that you don't you don't believe me, but I um, I gotta stay that uh, West Ham definitely unnerved them last uh, weekend, and uh, you know I consider this to be a West Ham victory. 
Well, it doesn't show it on the table, which is unfortunate. It doesn't show um, it on the table. I, I would have much rather had uh, the uh, three points. But we can move but. on to a, a West Ham victory. West Ham beat Southampton uh, 3-1 at home at the London Stadium. Um, we'll get into some of the things that were going on off the field, outside of the stadium, um, with the protest against the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, but inside the stadium, things looked really great. Yeah, uh, West Ham, the only, the only concerning thing about that game was that we had um, much less possession than Southampton, mm-hmm. which is a bit worrisome, but the goals came through. Um, you know, fact of the matter is, Gerard Bowen looked great. That's your um, boy. I was going to say, your uh, boy definitely came through. Yeah, I'm really excited to see him play. I think he's very versatile. I think he definitely has an eye for goal. That's his 17th league goal of the season, if you count his 16 for, for um, Hull. Um, he is still one of the top goal scorers in the championship as of right now. I think he's probably in the top five, and if, if not top five, he's definitely in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a few weeks ago, he was in the top five goal scorers for the championship. So he was really exciting. He had a great ball from Four Niles, somewhat like the ball that he got from Antonio, a through ball that he ran onto. Um, Antonio gave him a through ball at the end of the Liverpool game. Yeah. He just couldn't get it over Allison this time. He did get it over uh, the defending goalkeeper. And then, um, you know, they came back up in the f- uh, up the field not too much uh, not too much later than after we scored. We scored in the 15th. They scored in the 31st with uh, Michael Obafemi scoring for them, um, a younger player who started just because Danny Ings wasn't necessarily 100% match fit. Um Followed by a you know a great goal with uh, Antonio connecting with Allaire. Um bit of a mistake by the goalkeeper, um, and I mean it, he has mistake the, by the keeper, but that was a great play. But it Allaire. was no, uh, Allaire did had a whole hell of a lot to do. I mean the fact of the matter is is that he got his head to the ball before the keeper could put his hands on it, mm-hmm. um, knock the ball up, and then side footed into the or uh, um, from the, the side angle. Lashed it into the net uh, at a really, really acute angle. It was pretty crazy that he was even able to do that. That was pretty. Um, and then just 14 minutes later on the 54th minute, uh, Fornals with another beautiful assist for Mikel Antonio. I'm really excited to see Fornals start to play more. Um, he is he is a special little player, and I think the, the more time that he gets on the pitch, the, the more he'll be able to grow into something um, uh, pretty special. I mean, he's 24 years old. Um, he's probably going to be, I, I feel like he could end up being one of our top assisters for the year, um, Absolutely. without playing yeah. hardly at all. Uh, and he's just shown, he's only played what, maybe half the season. I mean, our, our, I don't know. I honestly, I have to look that up because yeah. he hasn't played much at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially not starting many games, right? but, um, so this season he's played 26, um, and he, I'm not sure how many of those came off the bench, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's he. I just think he's something special, you know. I yeah. think that he has the ability to really um, be that that player in the attacking midfield that really links play up from you know dropping back in midfield, getting the ball and getting it to to attacking positions. Hopefully, and hopefully, this is the start of West Ham. You know, actually playing like a decent football club and. Um, you know, currently sixteenth, um, but uh, tied with uh, Watford and Bournemouth at uh, twenty-seven points. 
Yeah, like I said, there are some some really um, damning stats for this game for West Ham, though, that are, are a bit worrisome. Uh, we only had 33% possession, and we only had 59% pass accuracy. That's really bad. That means that we're not – you know, we did play some long balls um, that didn't go anywhere. And it also means that we aren't passing – we're not making small passes enough. Um, mm-hmm. Either we're holding on to the ball too long or – we're playing longer passes on the ground or um, over the top, and it, it's just not, you know, it's great because we did get fourteen shots on target, uh, fourteen shots and seven on target, so we had a you know an accuracy of fifty percent there to um, a twenty percent accuracy of shots on target for for Saint, for the Saints, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll see what happens going forward. I mean, there are some really difficult games coming up against Arsenal. Um, Wolves, Spurs, Chelsea. I think that, you know, the funny thing is out of all four of those teams, Arsenal, Spurs, and Chelsea are the most likely for us to pick up points where I just don't see us picking up points against Wolves just because they're so good. Right. Um, And I guess kind of moving on into that, I mean, well, actually that's the next day. So let's go into uh, Newcastle Burnley. There's not a lot here to talk about. Um, No, no. um, You know, I think that Newcastle really could be in trouble at the end of the season. You know, they're they're really uh, they're fourteenth. They haven't won in five. Um, they've drew three out of the last five. They're only on thirty two points, which I mean does put them closer to safety than a lot of teams. You know, West Ham, Wofford, Bournemouth that that for that eighteen vying for, vying for that eighteenth spot right now um, are still five points away from that. Brighton four points away, so. They do have a little bit of a cushion, but that cushion could be swallowed up pretty damn quickly if they don't if they're not careful. Plus, they're boring. I mean, who wants to watch Newcastle? I mean, uh, their fans aren't going. I mean, their yeah. their their stadium is is relatively empty uh, most weeks right now because of a lot of the protests. Um, bit surprising that Burnley couldn't uh, eke one out here just because they have won three of their last five um, and they haven't lost in their last five. So that's that's pretty. Uh, pretty special. They they only have a goal difference of negative six this year. Um, you know they've scored thirty three, only let in thirty nine um, compared to Newcastle, which isn't that big of a deal. They've only let in three less. Um, but in reality, they're not. You know, they are scoring a few more than mm-hmm. Newcastle. Newcastle have only scored twenty four goals. Uh, Burnley have scored thirty three. I. They, I just don't see them scoring enough. Um, right. They defend well, you know, uh, and they don't let in that many goals. Um, they've actually let in the exact same number of goals as Spurs this season. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot to say here. Not not the most exciting game to watch. Um, but I'll tell you what was a really exciting game was the Bournemouth Chelsea game. Yeah, um, you know, two two. Bournemouth really needed to pick up points. They went into the lead um, on their second goal couldn't hold it uh, Marcus Alonso for Chelsea scoring two uh, Frank Lampard came out and said some really interesting stuff about how um, he was really worried that their left back uh, was going to end up being their uh, one of their top goal scorers and I found that pretty funny mm-hmm. especially because um, you know he really does seem to uh, he really does seem to kind of not give a lot of credit to Giroud, even though Giroud should have scored and it was just Marcus Alonso on the first goal. Um, 
picking up the rebound and scoring. Right. Um, yeah. But that said, uh, Chelsea's still still really, really inconsistent. Um, you know, uh, I don't really know what to think about them. I mean, they've they've only won one in their last five. They've drawn three and lost one. They just don't seem to be able to put up a real string of games. And but I don't. They're, they're just very, um, um, you know, they they like have a good couple of weeks, and then you know they they just kind of toss together a few draws, and then. And then and and then just just uh, just to kind of like hold the course, you know? Yeah, they're just inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, exactly. But then again, I, there aren't many teams in the league right now that are consistent. Um, yeah. You know, you can see that in the form table that they're they're a little green, red, and gray dots everywhere except right. for for Liverpool. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what to think of Chelsea this year. I, I know they're young. I think they need a bit more experience to close out games. Um, and it looks like a lot of that experience is going to head out the door this summer, mm-hmm. um, you know. So they really do have to do their their due diligence and bring in some players to to lead, um, have some leadership on the field outside of you know a 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old. Um, they just have a lot of really young players, and it doesn't seem like they're you know. From everything that I've heard, Willian doesn't want to re-sign or sign a new contract, so he's mm-hmm. going to be he's going to start talking to teams soon. So you're not getting that leadership from him, even though he's one of the older players and, and one of the states elder statesmen for Chelsea. Um, but yeah, Bournemouth looked relatively decent um, against a, a fragile uh, a fragile defense against Chelsea. Josh King scoring a, 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 a decent goal. Um, to to take them up and then Mark Alonso kind of crushing his dreams in the the last quarter of that game. They really need to pick up the three points with just one point. It, you know, it puts them on twenty seven. Like I said, they're on eight. They're eighteenth uh, on goal difference. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of work to do. And I'm not a hundred percent sure they can get out of it. But you know, who knows? I mean, they again, everyone's been inconsistent. So. A lot of these teams, Brighton hasn't won in five games. Newcastle hasn't won in five games. These teams could really find themselves in a lot of trouble very soon. For sure. I'm going to make a controversial statement. Bournemouth, worst team crest in football. I don't I don't know if it's that. No, it's definitely not the worst in football. Um, I, I dare you to, to name a worst team crest. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the, Scun, uh, the Scunthorpe... Um, logo a little bit just because it's a it's just kind of a ridiculous i don't even know what uh logo you're uh, talking about this is the scunthorpe logo it's it's a, a oh yeah that's if you haven't seen it that's it's also a, that's also terrible it's a blue fist a, a claret and blue fist with like a with like a uh a, a eye bar or eye beam uh in it that says iron um it looks like a, a 1a baseball team logo I mean, there are some ridiculous logos out there. I would say that it's not the worst. It kind of looks. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, uh, of like a Rolls Royce old old Rolls Royce logo. That's true. Yeah, like right. with the with the the. I don't know if it's Hermes or like whatever, but I don't know. Um, last game of our first game of Saturday, or, or one of the games on three p.m. Uh, kickoff on Saturday, was actually I think this is the very er- the earliest game. Um, Brighton and Hove against Crystal Palace. Brighton really needed to pick up points. Um, Palace have been stumbling a little bit um, recently, but uh, you know, dropping down to twelfth. But they've won two in their last five, um, lost the other three. Uh, but Brighton are just looking 
pretty rough. I mean, they, again, they haven't been able to put a string of results together. They lost two in their last five and, and drew the rest. Um, so they have picked up points recently, but they're on 28, and you know they could easily next weekend say West Ham, Watford, Bournemouth all pick up points, um, and they drop some points. Is is they have a good goal difference in, uh, of minus eight, but you know if, say these three teams pick up three points, they're in the relegation zone. So right, for sure, they really need to start picking up some results, um, and. You know they 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 lost to a really good through ball by uh, Benteke to Jordan Ayew, um, who put it away. Got a little lucky uh, with the, the the goalkeeper not truly being able to deflect the ball um, mm-hmm. or parry it away. Uh, hit the top of his hand, flew over and went into the back of the net. Um, but you know, not scoring a whole whole lot. Um, you know there there's a there's a bit of uh, a bit of contention around. Whether or not Roy Hodgson's going to stay, and apparently the club really want him to, the players really want him to, but they have a hard schedule, man. I mean, Brighton go away, uh, Brighton play away at Wolves. They play home at uh, Arsenal the next two games. Uh, then Leicester, Man United, don't really get a reprieve until they play Norwich. Yeah, Brighton have a really tough schedule, man. So Brighton's next game, Brighton's games to the end of the season are this: Wolves away, Arsenal home, Leicester away. United at home, Norwich away, Liverpool at home, City, Damn. Uh, City at home, Southampton away, Newcastle at home, uh, Newcastle home, and then Burnley away. That's rough. Like right. that's a really rough schedule. That's yeah. a that's a that's a much harder schedule than I would argue West Ham has. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I mean, they really need to pick up points probably against uh, against Saints and. And Norwich and maybe Newcastle to make sure they stay up because that that's mm-hmm. that's a rough that's a really rough schedule. End of the year and end of the year too. That's uh, exactly yeah. I mean, and the, end of the season. Their last game of the season is Burnley. Um, yeah. So I mean, that, and that's not an easy game. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to the Sunday, a uh, bit of controversy in the Everton Man United game. Um, you know, we had we had a goal scored uh, by Everton. They went up first. Um, Bit of a mistake from De Gea, I guess. It's something I've always wanted to see happen, but I've never seen. I don't really <laughs> ever think I've seen happen of a striker heading the ball in, um, from kickoff or from like a, a a kick from the goalkeeper. Yeah. And it's something I always wanted to see happen. Like I've seen it bounce off of players and go in, but I don't know. I've never seen like a deliberate header. And he really did have like a diving header to score the fucking goal, and it was really, really, uh, really crazy to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but goes down as a De Gea mistake. Um, hasn't huge, had a huge, great season. Yeah, huge, huge. Uh, I, 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 I would even say a boner by uh, De, Gea, De Gea. A boner. A huge, huge boner by De Gea. Huge boner by De Gea. I'd have never heard anyone uh, say call that a mistake. Oh, I love that word. It's, I mean, it's a good word. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has really seen, uh, you know, really come on strong since, uh, Carlo Ancelotti started to manage Everton. Um, you know, I think he has, I think since Carlo Ancelotti started, uh, as manager of Everton, no player in the Premier League has scored more goals than him. Um, is that right? I think that's a stat I have. Huh. It's coming from the back of my head, so I'm not a hundred percent sure. And then Bruno Fernandez with another goal, or Fernandez for, with another goal uh, for for um, 
Man United. Mm. And uh, they really, really needed somebody to come in and, and kind of help right the ship from just a, a confidence standpoint. Um, in his last three games for – in his last five games for Man United, he has – and that's um, Europa League and Premier League. He has three goals and two assists, um, which is pretty – Pretty good for a team that's had a really rough rough go of it, and, right? Um, really was able to to make an impact. Uh, we we need to talk about the VAR controversy in that game. Yeah, for for the uh, people at home that uh, didn't uh, watch it, there was a um, there was a there was a shot and then a deflection, and then there was an Everton player in an offsides position. Gilfie Sigurdsson, which apparently people are absolutely crazy are incensed by the fact that why didn't he just get up off the fucking floor well, um, that because he just sat there he yeah. just sat there and didn't really do anything he sat there he lifted his legs up just just a, just a tiny bit the ball did not hit him but it ended up in the in the back of the net um and i could go either way, way on this i think i think when i was in ref school um you know i you you could definitely argue that he was part of the play while being in that offside position he didn't. He didn't touch the play, but but he was. But you don't have to touch the play to be involved in the play. And if he, um, you know, uh, blocked De Gea's uh, field of vision, um, then it then it was a good call. It was a good offsides call. Yeah, I mean, I. No matter what happened, it really pissed off Carlo Ancelotti. He got a red card, um, and was sent off. So he'll be sitting on the sidelines for uh, a game or two, and yeah. and. Apparently, you know, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like, what are you going to do? Um, even with VAR, I mean, I, I think that that I think a lot of people have talked about the decision should have st- stood, um, and I, I'm kind of inclined to agree. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he should have just gotten his ass up and, and done something with himself, Locked like. Away. Yeah. You know, he, he really, he spent too much time on the floor and it's something we talk about a lot with players these days is that, you know, it's really, really frustrating for the amount of time the ball's out of play or the amount of time that the ball literally, well, yeah, out of play. It's not moving because players are rolling around on the ground or they are trying to slow up the pace and it's really frustrating if you look at a lot of the averages of the amount of time the ball's actually in play for premier league games it's it's really low i mean it can be anywhere between like 40 and 60 minutes so like 20 minutes of time is, is just right? wasted yeah it's really crazy um so the stoppage time doesn't doesn't really no oh, no cut, cut, cut um, in a bit at all then huh huh i'm looking up right now yeah uh, just yeah. to see what the actual. That's interesting. I'll, I'll the average time the ball's in play is fifty five minutes and nine seconds, and that was twenty eighteen. Hmm. Okay. Um. So I mean, it's just it's really crazy. I mean, I mean, I think that's less. And then the now. year before it was sixty one minutes and twenty six seconds. So I mean, you're talking oh. about a, a large swath of time where yeah. the ball's just not moving or, sure. or nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Um. On to the final game of this weekend, uh, Spurs Wolves. Um, this kind of goes back to just the fact that Wolves were a great, uh, are a great team. Oh, and you know what I didn't put on here um, the City Villa uh, FA Cup final. You did not, or uh, not League Cup final? Excuse yeah. me. Um, so we can talk about that in a second. But 
Spurs again, they just look they just can't put a string together um lately. And I think they haven't won in um in their last two. Uh they won three results on the bounce there, but they've had some uh some rough times in um in the Champions League losing to Leipzig. Um you know they did win in the fourth round. They lost today against uh, against Norwich, and we'll we, we'll probably skip over that today. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know they lost to Chelsea. They lost to Wolves. Um, won against Villa in a close game, two three. Won um, in a close tie in the FA Cup, three two against Southampton, and then won against City. Um, but they just haven't really seemed to be able to get their stuff together. And, and you know, I, I think it's fair. A lot of people are talking about Mourinho and kind of being annoyed with him. But at the same time, like, he didn't have a preseason. He doesn't have a lot of his own players. Right. So we'll see what he can do next year. But, you know, that game was super interesting. And Diego, uh, Diogo Jota uh, really and truly is a wonderful player. Um in this, he scored and assisted um, with the other two goals coming from Matt Doherty and uh, and, and Raul Jimenez. Spurs had Stephen Berwin, who's had actually a pretty decent time uh, since he started at Spurs. A couple or, or a few goals in there since he started came in in January. Uh, and Serge Aurier with, a, with kind of a rare goal. But I did want to talk about Diogo Jota for Wolves because in his last three games, this is with the Europa League and two in the Premier League, that he has scored six goals and an assist. Dude's on fire. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Three goals, two goals, one goal and assist. Like, that's that's wild. Um, and this season in all games, he has uh, 12 goals. I mean that's that's pretty damn good, especially yeah, right. since he's playing. I mean he does play in, in the four uh, more forward positions, but he does he is more of an attacking midfielder. Um, so you know it's you know thirty one appearances in all competitions, twelve goals and one assist. Uh, so you probably like to see him assist more, but he is twenty three years old, so he's got sometimes to be some, he's got some time to grow into himself. Um, bit of heartbreak for Spurs, you know they were at home. Um, they went up first, then Wolves knocked them back. Aurier scored right before uh, right before the half. Jota scored um, seventeen or yeah, no, twelve thirteen minutes into the second half, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then Raul Jimenez in the seventy third minute, and some great goals in there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, Spurs just have some injuries. They don't have they don't really have a forward line. They're playing without their out and out forwards and they're just struggling. Um yeah. I don't know where they could end up at the end of the season. I honestly think that I think that really and truly they could end up um really hurting at the end of the season. I mean, their next games are uh Burnley, they play again at Leipzig, um they play Man United, West Ham, uh Sheffield United, Everton, Bournemouth, Arsenal, Newcastle, Leicester, and, and Palace, and and that's not that easy of a schedule. So yeah, and 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 I think Spurs have have definitely lost you know um, Kane and uh, um, uh, Son, um, which which are huge losses. I know that we're uh, we're gonna uh, talk about this next, but apparently Son 
um, had elbow surgery in uh, South Korea. Yeah. And now when he gets back from uh, South Korea, he's going to have to be isolated for 14 days for... I did hear. I knew that the. I did hear about that, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be the the full fourteen days. I mean, that's. I mean, that's wild. I mean, yeah. what? But at the end of the day, actually, you know what? Though that's not really going to affect anything this season because he's out for the rest of the season. Probably pretty not. much. I mean, yeah, he'll yeah. he'll just stay home and rehab and yeah, you know. and then hopefully by the time he gets back, you know, it, it's at a point where he could come back and not have to worry about mm-hmm. the, the the full fourteen day. Um, um, uh, quarantine, yeah. I guess. Um, so he's gonna hang out in uh, South uh, Korea and then come back after. I mean, it, it all depends on the travel. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the travel. It depends mm-hmm. on what what South Korea is gonna end up doing with with allowing travel from South Korea. What right. what? Um, I mean, you know, we we already seen we've already seen some effects of this with Edie and Agallo and not being able to train with some of the other Man United players when he made his move from. Um, from China to Manchester. I mean, and then, right. you know, in, in other sports, there's a rugby player right now that all he did was have a, well, all he did, um, he had a layover uh, in Hong Kong coming back to uh, the UK, and now he they have him sitting out for 14 days, and he can't even play in, in some of the Six Nations stuff. Yeah, it's um, a bummer. It's really crazy. Yeah. Um, so I guess the last thing we can talk about real quick, we'll just talk about the uh, the League Cup final. Man City won um, and beat Aston Villa two one. Um, it was kind of a surprising result. It was a really good game. Uh, again, surprisingly, um, amazing header by Samada for Villa to score in the forty first. Um, City were already up two goals by Aguero and Rodri. Um, Rodri's been been really, really um, playing very, very well for City uh, in the last couple games. Um, saved them a few times to to really make sure they they kick started and started playing well. But Villa definitely didn't um, definitely didn't you know shame themselves. Kind of like you know what you would say Wofford did when they lost by five or six goals last year in the, in the FA Cup final. Um, you know. Like I said, we probably won't spend too much time on this, but if you saw any of it, I mean, again, yeah, um, no, you know, Grealish, Grealish was played very, very well. Um, Samada played well, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of you know exactly what we thought would happen, unfortunately, but um, not exactly because they didn't score fifteen goals, but um, <laughs> but yeah, so. Anyway, let's uh, let's kind of jump into some of the things that's, that are happening around the league. Um, you know, one of the big things that happened was Sink Tosin is out for the season uh, with an injury. He just returned to Palace or returned to Everton from Palace, um, and you know he hasn't really scored much this season um, for Palace since he started on loan there. But he hasn't been on loan for uh, you know the full full season. Um, I think he's had eight appearances a season with one goal. Um, no, I'm sorry. I think he's had five appearances this season for, for Palace with one goal and then five for Everton in the league, uh, with one goal. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he not necessarily going great but he did help palace get a 2-2 uh draw against city um away at city so you can't really sit here and be like oh well he's useless um 
you know, especially a team that's struggling for goals. Um, so hopefully he'll get back and, and be able to rehab and, and they'll figure out what, what, what will happen with him in uh, the summer with Everton. I think that he'll most likely move on. He's 28 years old um, and really just didn't hit the ground running like Everton wanted him to. Uh-huh. Uh, we talked about William uh, a little bit. William apparently is is refused his Chelsea contract. I know that I've heard some conflicting reports now saying that he hasn't truly uh, rejected it. But um, I mean, he's he's running down his contract now to the point where he could start speaking to other teams and and possibly move somewhere in the summer. Um, I don't think he will. I don't know why 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 he would want to stay at Chelsea. Uh, you he's don't think you don't think that, he'll stay at Chelsea, or no. you think he? Oh. Um, he's the type of player that wants to be. You know, he wants to be at the top of the league. So, I think that and it's he, and he could go anywhere. I think it's one of those things where he's an age though. Like he has one big move left left in him. So it's one of those things where like if he stays at, they can't get rid of everybody, and yeah. obviously they're going to lose Giroud. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, I don't know if Pedro will be there. Um, I don't know. Uh, Kovacic may be there, but I mean, who knows how many Chelsea players are going to be gutted this uh, this, this summer? And you have to keep somebody. And Williams a good player, so maybe they look at it, maybe they they look at it in a few months and they're like, well, we need to extend a bigger contract to make sure that he stays. Is the uh, the uh, penalty against Chelsea going to affect their ability to? Uh, and that's been lifted, so they were able to oh, sign. Yeah, they were able to sign players in January, so right. they they definitely can sign anyone they want okay. um, in the summer. Uh, anyone that's willing to come to them. So, all right. Um, yeah, I guess one of the other big things that came out today or, or has been talked about a lot in the last couple of days is that Villa has lost one hundred and one point um, seven eight million pounds since they were promoted, um, and. Apparently, under FFP, you're not allowed to lose more than $90 million in a three-year cycle. So, I'm really wondering what's going to happen with them. How's that? How's that work? How, I'm not I'm not 100% sure. Yet. How, how, how oh, because of just exp- player expenditures. And their last year in the championship, they were spending 90%, 97% of their revenue on uh, player wages and transfers. So it, which is whether what you're they gonna do to uh, get up, yeah. But what? No, but like I mean, that's that's against financial fair play rules. I mean, theoretically, next year they could they could see major major sanctions or points losses from the Premier League or the Championship. Really? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's it could be quite dire if they if they end up getting relegated and then they find themselves in having major sanctions for then, transfer sanctions yeah. or points deductions and. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the last three things I had here were whether Pickford, Pope, or Henderson uh, will be England's number one. Um, I think at the end of the day, I think that you know Pickford's been inconsistent, but he's really consistent for England. And I know that from everything that I've read and everything I've seen, um, Gareth Southgate doesn't really want to change anything too drastically before a major tournament. But I do think that he may have to start considering his options as far as you know who plays it if they have these friendlies. And we'll, again, we'll get into that in, the, in part two. But if they have these friendlies against um, other countries before they start at the Euros, because I think Henderson's probably been the best English goalkeeper in the league this this year. Um, but Pope also has a claim to it, and Pope has actually played 
or been around the England setup a few times now, Henderson would be brand new. So I think that if they would go with anybody to, to start during the Euros, it would probably be Pope. That'd be my guess. He's got the experience out of all those three, right? Well, I mean, Pickford, if he doesn't want to change anything, Pickford will definitely start. But Pickford's had a very up-and-down season. Yeah. Um, I know he's gotten some criticism in the last couple of days from some some pundits about just his ability to, to even play the game. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, and then the last thing that we had on here that I think is actually you know, something that we, we could talk about for a good while, but we'll try not to, is the... The West Ham protest um, against the board, um, Gold, Sullivan, and Brady. Uh, yes. um, apparently, the I mean, and this is these are numbers coming from um, the protest group or the organizing group, Hammers United. But apparently, they had eight thousand pro- people protesting this this uh, this weekend. Um, they walked uh, on the Greenway to the stadium, um, and. They were protesting the entire way. Mm-hmm. Um, 8,000 people is massive, considering the last protest they did um, at home. Only saw about 2,000, so that's a massive increase. Um, was that the game that the fan was on the pitch? and he No, that, that's Noble? the Burnley game. That was a few years ago. I'm talking oh. about um, this was a month and a half ago. Oh, right. um, and there was about 2,000 people outside really um, right. protesting and, you know, but then, you know, the next day... Uh, it's hard uh, to keep track of all these lists. I know. Um, but today or yesterday, uh, a Sky Sports um, news uh, rep- uh, pundit reporter, um, I think his last name's Kava. I always get his last name wrong. But he wrote an article talking about how, you know, David Sullivan is is actually feeling very hurt because he feels these attacks are extremely personal, but... You know, and then there have been also players like Carlton Cole that have come out and said, just get behind the team, don't protest. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, one, these attacks are personal because I think a lot of West Ham supporters, especially English West Ham supporters, feel that what they've done is a, a personal affront to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ripping them out of where they felt comfortable and moving them somewhere that they told them they would be comfortable, yet they still aren't after four years yeah i mean i I think i think they were i think they were promised a lot and and i think when they moved to the new stadium i think west ham was a was a club that was on their way up and um over the past few uh years that uh definitely hasn't been um uh on the upward trajectory um i i totally understand you know the uh, uh frustration there um you leave a stadium where you've been at for what a hundred and ten years. Uh, yeah, it was I think eighteen fifty four, eighteen fifty six. That's a long ass time. Yeah. To uh to a uh, to a to a stadium where the fans aren't even close to the pitch. Eighteen fifty four. I'm sorry. Eighteen ninety four or eighteen ninety six. I can't somewhere in there. Um, maybe eighteen ninety five. Mm-hmm. I do not know where eighteen fifty six came from. Eighteen fifty six. I think is the year that they founded the football or the first football club was was actually founded. Right. Um. Which is Sheffield FC. I don't know. I don't know. Right now, my brain's not working. I was thinking fifty <laughs> eighteen fifty six is either when they founded the football league or when the first two clubs played each other, which was Sheffield FC and Hallam FC. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, those numbers are. And dates are not um, available to me. Right. 
Uh, all right, so we'll be back in part two. Um, I know that we're – I'm looking forward to talking to John about this because John knows way more about it than I do. Um, but looking at um, COVID-19, um, a.k.a. the coronavirus, and, you know, what is going on between Premier League clubs, what's going on in the world, what's going on in sports, and, you know, not necessarily what we can expect because I don't think that any of us really have the the – a very clear idea of what we can expect, but at least what we can talk about and, and try to understand a little better because there's a lot of information out there that is not necessarily uh, true or it's sensationalized and we're just trying to make sure that, that you know, this is not going to be a PSA podcast because we are still going to talk about football and soccer, <laughs> but um, but there may be some, some, some stuff in there. Let's do it. All right. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. We are here to talk about one of the more, uh, I don't know about, I was going to say depressing, but it's not really depressing, it's just a, the fact of the world. Um, I would say it's topical. Topical. Like the cream you might have to use when you attra- uh, contract something. Absolutely. Um, but uh, so I'm with Dr. John Martin. Um, if you haven't heard him talk on this podcast before, John is actually uh, specializes in infectious disease um, and does a lot of great work here in Chicago. Um with infectious disease such as HIV and AIDS. So he has a, a bit of knowledge about this and, and it's a bit more um, pertinent to what he does now just because I know that, that he's had uh, or at least been in, in a lot of conversations and and conferences and, and um, video conferences and things like that about what's going on with COVID-19 or the coronavirus. Yeah, and, and usually I'm on this podcast to talk about something um, ortho-related, like how long does it take to to uh, rehab from a torn adductor muscle. So I'm glad to be here about, about something that I've actually researched and uh, uh, know, know uh, a bit, bit about. So let's start with the basic. What is COVID-19 or the coronavirus? So COVID-19 is the uh, disease that is caused by a novel coronavirus. The name of the official name of the coronavirus has now been named SARS-CoV-2, mm-hmm. and that is because when um, the researchers looked at the genome, it is more similar to the SARS virus than the MERS virus. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it is a coronavirus in the sense that coronavirus is a is a family of viruses uh, that 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 is one of the most common causes of the common cold. Um, uh, however, sometimes um, uh, due to viruses being passed on from species to species, there can arise these novel viruses. Um, and the first two iterations of those um, have been the SARS virus and the MERS virus. So like just by calling it the coronavirus, we're actually just coronavirus is just any any virus in that family that, that has that shape and form and right yeah. of, of which there are hundreds. yeah and and there and there are, um, uh, three, th- three types that commonly infect humans, um, as I said, usually causes the common cold. Um, but most of the coronaviruses are in other animals. Mm-hmm. And then 
from past um past things that we've had you know swine flu bird flu you know a lot of this stuff seems to originate in china or asian countries and is that due to just different um or well when we when we first find out about it yeah um is that due to just the way that animals are treated there different things like that is that a possibility or do we have no clue well, usually, usually when it causes outbreaks like this, mm-hmm. um, it is a it is a, a new virus that is introduced to a population that is not immune to it. So um, it's a um, and because the population isn't immune to it, it both spreads faster and causes pretty pretty bad disease. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, SARS originated in China, but MERS, which was another coronavirus. Um, was associated with contact with camels in uh, Saudi Arabia, um, so it's not it's it's not it's not Asia as a region. Mm-hmm. Um, it just has to do with 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 human contact with with, with many animals, um, and you know through the process of evolution, um, sometimes there can have new new viruses that develop that can be passed from species to species. And that's how these major out- outbreaks happen. Mm-hmm. Typically, you know, there's a seasonal influenza um, out- outbreak. It happens every every year around o- October, um, and and it can last through uh, May. Um, that's the one for, for which we have vaccines. Um, swine flu, bird flu, H1N1 in um, 2000, 2009. Right. Yeah, um, uh, was thought to be. Um, um, arising from a uh, bird that infected a pig that then infected a human. Mm-hmm. So it's the introduction of these novel pathogens into, in, into the population where people haven't seen before. So there's low levels of immunity in the, in, in the population. And I know we were talking about before this, but we're all, you know, we're not a hundred percent sure of every way that this is spread, but some of the ways that we do know are, so it's primarily spread by droplets, uh-huh. um, which is uh, similar to how in- influenza is spread. So if I'm sick, I'm coughing, I'm sneezing, I'm spraying all these droplets around the room, um, and you um, and you could uh, breathe it in. Um, that's that's how I would infect you. Uh-huh. Um, it is likely spread by what we call fomites. So if I cough or sneeze and then wipe my hand on a table, and then you come later and touch the table and then touch your face uh, for example um that that would be a, another way that um that it would spread to you um that 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 is that is what we know um it is also it is also found in stool um uh though if if someone could could be an infected by 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 contact with another stool like a fecal or a route um we, we don't have evidence um uh to support that at this time so like um, just extending on from it being spread. So, this was the advice Premier League, uh, the Premier League sent to clubs today. Um, and it's just four talking points. I don't have the actual notes in front of me. Um, but the four one, the four pieces were to postpone all player appearances, both across uh, men and women's squads, restrict players from posing with selfies and signing autographs pre and post match at the stadium. Restrict direct physical contacts, such as handshakes, hugging, and high fives. 
which we've all seen, you know, is working very well uh, during goal celebrations. <laughs> um, and avoid non-essential visitors or meetings at stadium and training ground, encouraging encouraging use of Skype. And I've seen that last piece is actually really important because I've seen that um, be a piece of advice for not just the soccer or athletic world, but also just the world at large. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about, well, we need to look at how we can use, take more meetings digitally um, for tons of reasons, you know, it's just so weird that it's topical now because of a, a, a flu virus, but you know, carbon footprint, all these other things that we talk about all the time is something that we could look at doing more. But I mean, this is basic, basic advice. I don't really know how you could do more, um, as far as, you know, they're, apparently they're passing out, you know, Purell to every single player to have in their car and stuff. Um, which I think is wise. Yeah, I have it in my car. For, uh, for example, um, I think, uh, I think, I think people need to use common sense. We're not at the point where um, you know have, have, having a mask on outside when you're on your 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 your, your way to work um, is unlikely to be helpful. But I think um, I think I think people should uh, follow common sense. If you're sick, stay home. See, see if you could work from home. Um, uh, don't, don't go out to your office, um, and, uh, fight, fight, fight through it. Um, uh, just, just kind of stay home and away from people to avoid spreading both this illness, um, and influenza, um, wash your hands is, um, the, the most basic thing that, uh, that uh, people could do and the most effective thing that uh, people could do, um, to, um, prevent the um, spread of this, of, of this virus. Um, which is, which is both what, what we should be doing during this outbreak, but it's also what we should be doing anyway, because it is influenza season in this country. Um, you're much more likely to get influenza at this time than you are to get, um, COVID, uh, disease in this country, at least in this, (laughs) um, you know, so we've talked about what you could do to stop just, just common sense at the moment. I mean, there's nothing that we can, there's nothing that it, that you can prescribe or anything else right now because we don't know enough about it or have vaccinations against it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes this, as far as you know, so different from other flu viruses? I know you and I have talked about it off uh, off mic about just some of the the um, uh, some of the blown information that's been blown out of proportion. Um, you know the. The weird thing about the spread of a virus and something that me and, and John have talked about before and c- continue to talk about for hours is that, you know, the way that he sees the spread of disease, I can see the spread of information and what I do, the spread of misinformation and what I do in social right. media because it's the exact same thing. You know, once one person says it, another person just retweets it without actually knowing or confirming anything they've seen. Right. And it seems like right now we're going through this, this piece of over sensationalized information i guess my, my a big question is do you find the mass amount of not necessarily real panic but the mass amount of people talking about this helpful or harmful at this point because normally you know we have we have a ton of flu viruses that come out and or or you know things that that happen and we don't talk about them at all yeah and then people just go through life being ignorant without having without taking any precaution. And now we're talking about 
you know, large jars of Purell going for a hundred percent over cost price on eBay. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Right. Um, so I'm a infectious disease doctor. I take care of sick people with infections in the hospital. Um, right now, because it's in influenza people, um, I am taking care of five people that are critically ill in the ICU from influenza. Mm-hmm. So, um, Part of it is frustrating because uh, we we d- deal with this every influenza season. We deal with this every winter. Um, we see we see very severe complications and deaths from 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 the common flu all the time. Um, and 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 if people took influenza as seriously as they take coronavirus, if if they go out there and get their flu shots and wash their hands and stay home when, when they're sick, we could actually save a lot of lives. Um, so in that, the mere fact that they're talking about this, I think is a good thing. I think it's good to um, be educated. I would be cautious as to where you, you get your in- information. Um, I've been talking to the CDC for the past two weeks, you know, every, every day or every other day. And I look at their websites, and the website is is available to the public. Everything on there is evidence based, mm-hmm. and so everything on this the uh, CDC website is really quite accurate. Um, I would I would trust that 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 website over most news websites if you're looking for reliable information about this disease. Yeah. Um, so getting back into the the sports realm, you know, one of the biggest issues that we're seeing right now. And it's kind of funny because, like, we talk about soccer and football and sports about, you know, when we're talking about something that is literally a life-threatening disease and epidemics in certain countries and the, the and there is a possibility of this being a pandemic and we're sitting here talking about, oh, shit, are we going to have the Olympics or are we going to have the Euros? <laughs> like, yeah. it's really funny, but it's just what we're here to talk about. So, I mean, right now, as, as, uh, as it stands – Today, Italy had a government decree that all sporting events will be played behind closed doors. Events within red zones um, will be suspended. Red zones are northern Italy, as far as I know, um, predominantly northern Italy, Mm -hmm. um, which which means that they they actually have confirmed um, cases of of COVID-19. I'm going to stop calling it the coronavirus because, one, it makes me sound smart, and two, um, it's, it seems like that's, that could be a numerous amount of things that happened to us. Um, and then there's going to be mandatory checks for club members, athletes, technicians, and managers. And they've also officially closed, uh, a lot of schools and universities. And then on top of that, that means that the six nations, which is happening in Italy right now, uh, rugby had two games postponed, um, Syria, uh, postponed games, and force teams to play behind closed doors. Um, a lot of that is due to the fact that uh, the Serie A season can't run into the summer because of the European Championships. Um, knock on wood that we have it. Um, because I have tickets and I would really like to go. Um, uh, COVID-19 be damned. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, there, there's also been conversations with uh, the, the one and only Dick Pound of uh, – the International Olympic Committee committee <laughs> around Big Pound. Uh, fucking, when I first, dude, I when I was doing my master's degree and we talked about the IOC a lot because he's been a part of the IOC for fucking ever. They yeah. just kind of die on the fucking bench. 
I was crying. I was like, I literally raised my hand. I was like, wait a minute. This guy's name is Dick Pound. And they were like, yeah. I was like, I don't know how to process this information. That's great. Um, a possible cancellation of the Olympics. And then you and I talked about uh, recently the, the Tokyo Marathon was yeah. limited to mm-hmm. to only essentially professional runners. Um, and the decrease was, was really startling. Um, Last year they had thirty eight thousand participants, um, and I'm trying to see what uh, what the number was this year. But there was a few, it was a hundred or so. It was like just the elite runners, so it was just so the people at the start. So they had thirty eight thousand amateur participants and scaled back to just a few hundred professional athletes. Yeah. Um, and in past years, attracted more than one million roadside spectators. But I mean, imagine that. So mm-hmm. you know, you talk about like the New York Marathon. You're talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people running the New York Marathon. And the pictures are pretty obscene. I mean, you go from 30, 38,000 people running in it to just a couple hundred. I mean, that's going to that's gonna seem crazy. Um, and they said that maybe there was only 20% of the people who came to the race last year. So, you know, still a couple, you know, thousands of spectators, but nowhere near the 1 million that were, that were there last year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, what are your thoughts on on the postponement of these things? I mean, from your perspective, I mean, I know you're you're a sports fan, but I mean, you're a doctor first and foremost, and, right? And and just a human that cares about other people, or else mm-hmm. you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. So, I mean, I assume I, I'm assuming that you would side with the idea that suspension or postponement or or cancellation of these events are for the the better of the human race. I do, and and I think it's reasonable to uh, do so. Um, you know, you the the thing that that spurs out outbreaks is large gatherings of uh, people. Um, what what we need to figure out with this disease is exactly how it's spread. Um, but we do know that large gatherings of people um, would spread it much much faster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 probably not going to stop the spread, but it would probably stop. It would probably slow the spread until we could get effective studies that will allow us to show what the effective treatment is. I think it's reasonable that, that all these things are happening. Um, especially in these countries where there is documented person to person community spread, um, which as of right now is China, Japan, South Korea, Italy, and Iran. Um, it makes it makes sense to to close these uh, venues. It is it is weird. Um, it's it's a little unnerving. I was seeing some uh, video of um, baseball games in Japan, and um, uh, without any spectators, and the the crack of the bat, the like banter between the uh, catcher and the batter you know, was, 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 was audible. And it was, and it, and it's weird. It's, it's almost, it's eerie. It is. You know, is, I mean, it is it's, it's not how we're used to watching sports. It's, it's 28 days later shit. Like, right. you know, I mean, and I mean that the movie is basically mm-hmm. about an epidemic. Right. Uh, it is about a, a, a disease uh, or virus. Um, but you know, I've watched, I've watched multiple games before um, that were played behind closed doors in, in, in soccer. And it is a very strange thing. Cause usually, you hear, usually it's for racism. It is. It's for racism or violence or you know yeah. something that that 
is a disease in its own right, but very different from from what we're talking about here. Correct. You know, um, one of the things I pulled up, and I was trying to remember what year it was, so it looks like it was uh, 2014, 2015, but the African Cup of Nations was, um, was disrupted due to the Ebola outbreak. And where, you know, and maybe you can explain this to me a little bit too, like, because you and I both lived in New York when we had the the uh, the Ebola scare of of like twenty the Ebola doctor sixteen that was that was 2014? twenty fourteen twenty was it twenty fourteen I think it was twenty fifteen fuck I'm getting yeah. old um <laughs> but uh you know the, but the I guess my question is I mean because sure the Ebola virus has more to do with the fact that there's not you know clean water or clean clean places to for to to relieve yourself, things like that, and there, there, uh, pathogens get into water and shit like that. Um, the, the the Ebola virus is a special path pathogen. One because it's very deadly. Uh-huh. Um, two be- because it's because it's it's very contagious, but it's contagious to the point that you have to have contact with someone's bodily fluids. So, um, and it makes you really sick. So you're vomiting, you're having diarrhea, you're bleeding all over the, all over the place. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not spread through droplets. Yeah. There was a study out of China. Um, uh, I don't, I don't want to go into too much, you know, science here, but there's, there's a number called the R not value, which is the marker of a pathogen. So it's essentially how many people that one person can infect. Um, which is a big thing here because they've talked about being like, 2.5 or 3 people or something like that on average or something to that so, effect. So the most pathogenic um, disease that we have that that is known is measles and the R not value is 14. So one oh, so, so one person could spread it to 14 people that are not immunized. Um, e- Ebola's R not value is around 1.5 and uh, SARS-CoV-2 is from data that was early on in the outbreak is 2.2 so one person is going to spread it to 2.2 people um so that puts it more infectious than ebola mm-hmm. yeah I, I so the reason i brought this up was that um afcon the african combinations was affected by this in the 2014 ebola outbreak um obviously you know as you said you know a lot of the ebola outbreak tends to be from just how deadly the the um Ebola is, but you know, also a lot to do with the infrastructure in certain African countries not being able to keep up with with certain outbreaks and mm-hmm. and, and be able to keep things contained. Um, but the good, the, the one thing about Africa is that you know it's such a large country that if continent. something continent, excuse me, <laughs> sorry, I was was reading about uh, Morocco, but. It's such a large continent that, you know, there are places where you could theoretically move AFCON, which they did, um, and move it away from from zones of the outbreak um, and not have as many issues where now you're dealing – because you're dealing with the, – the, I guess that would be – would it be a pandemic? Would, would the 2014 outbreak of Ebola be a pandemic or, because it was in Africa and it was in multiple countries or – no, the it it would be a epidemic. So so there's 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 been a lot of debate as to whether or not to call the COVID nineteen uh pandemic. Yeah. Um and 
there's a fair number of politics that go into that. So the definition of a pandemic is that it's um, spread across the world and there's community spread in the majority of countries in the world. Um, it, it, it has spread to every continent except Antarctica. Um, but there, but there, once it gets there, we're all fucked. But once it gets there, then, then we're done. Um, <laughs> but it hasn't reached the point where there's community spread. Yeah. The name and the nomenclature doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I the I think one of the reasons why the World Health Organization has been hesitant to call COVID nineteen a pandemic is it would only lead to further panic. It would only lead to further stock market falls. It would it it would only lead to unintended consequences. I think they're taking it seriously enough that it doesn't really matter what what the name is. Right. I now. guess my 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 real point in bringing that up is because. In Africa, you had options to move it somewhere. Right. Correct. Whereas with this, it doesn't matter where the hell you move it because you're mm-hmm. still bringing in, you know, the Olympics, the Euro, the European Championships, which, iron- well, not ironically, but unfortunately, this is the first year that the European Championships are being held across the entirety of Europe and not in one location. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, put it this way if the Euros was only going to be uh, in, in Italy, and that was the worst outbreak. We may be able to still save the euros by just moving it to England, right? You know, there's a possibility that could happen, and they'd be like, "Okay, we're definitely going to have this now." Mm-hmm. Um, the Olympics, unfortunately, just because of the nature of the Olympics and because of how large the Olympics is, you can't just move it to another country and say, "Okay." That takes years and years and years of planning, infrastructure, and communication to be able to put something like that together. Um, but yeah, it's just. I don't know. I, 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 we don't really have to go too much further into this because I don't really know where we could go. Well, I, I think I think it's important. I think you know we we sh- we should acknowledge that, um, the what when you look at the data, it seems like eighty percent of people that have been infected with this virus have mild to moderate symptoms and don't necessarily have to be admitted to the hospital. The risk factors for having severe disease are age over 60, having other health problems, such as hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, um, uh, seem to be the most durable risk for, for, for acquiring severe disease. So, you know, I, I don't know if, 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 if the United States is going to make, you know, sweeping changes, close schools, close work, or whatever, but I think, I think if you have any of those risk factors, you should consider um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe working from home for a few days, mm-hmm. um, maybe, maybe wash your hands or maybe have alcohol, um, a hand, uh, sanitizer with you at all times. As far as sport though, um, I, if you're sick, don't go play sports too. Correct. Cause if then you could sweat on people <laughs> and that's not good. I think, I think it's interesting when, when you look at the Olympics, mm-hmm. because the Olympics has the last two times. From from one of the articles that, that that I've read, that's two times that the Olympics have been canceled was because of war, World War One and World War Two. You know, mm-hmm. they like canceled the, the and Olympics. even World War Two didn't uh, necessarily cancel one of the Olympics because Correct. they they had it in Germany. Yeah. So yeah, under the Third Reich. Um, so this would be the first peacetime can- cancellation of the Olympics, yeah. and I don't know where where this out- outbreak is going to go. I think we're at a, a, a threshold. Um, we are increasing testing in this country and in many other countries. So it's likely that the numbers will increase. 
um, there's there's probably going to be a couple hundred to a couple thousand people diagnosed in the United States. But would you say too? I think this is a really a, a really important um, piece of information because we're increased because we talked about this before we started talking um, or recording. Because we increase testing, that doesn't, and we see more cases, that doesn't necessarily make it worse. It, it just means it is. It is what it is, and we're better off finding out about these cases now and figuring out just how many people are at risk and how many people are at risk of of severe, um, severe uh, trauma severe or complications. Complications. Least, yeah. There you go. The um, yeah, I mean. Because I just wanted to make sure that we said, like, you know, if we find out over the next two months that we've had, like, an extra 200,000 cases or some shit in the U.S., that it's not like, oh, my God, this is where we all die. It's more of, like, we need to know about these things so we can figure out who who and how to treat them. And where to deploy our exactly. our, our resources. Yeah. The, um, there's Don't a, mean it's good, but... <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a definite uh, uh, selection bias here. Um you know, you, you're, you're not going to find the cases if, if if you're not tested for them. Mm-hmm. And the testing has been ramping up recently. Um, we're, uh, for example, at my hospital, we're probably going to have the ability to test for it in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, CDC has um, delivered, you know, thousands and thousands of tests to the Illinois Department of Health to assist with testing. Mm-hmm. The more people that you test, the more likely you are to find it. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's spreading. It, it 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 will more likely mean that we finally have the ability to find these cases, mm-hmm. and I think, I hope, well, I know that it's going to lead to more hysteria, um, because because the numbers are increasing. But I think what people need to realize is that it's 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 increasing because we now have the ability to find it. Yeah, no, I and I completely agree, and and there I think that you know, and there, there's a lot we could do a whole podcast that has nothing to do with sport on on this subject because there's so many different aspects of it i mean there's a racism aspect that we have to be very aware of um that that we don't really talk about and the news isn't talking about because you know there people are more caught up and people get more eyes on on the news when they're talking about things that could harm you um but you know i mean I just read an article two days ago about San Francisco, Chinatown, and San Francisco being an absolute ghost town because people are afraid of going there because yeah. of the the connection between this virus and and China. So I did an interview with a um, student journalist at Columbia, um, uh, and we talked about um, the effect on these uh, Chinese exchange students at um, Columbia and the city co- colleges of Chicago mm-hmm. and the um, and just and just the the abuse and the outright racism of, of this I think this has given people a chance to be to be racist and I think that's very I think that's very unfortunate because what you don't want in an outbreak is you don't want people who have symptoms to come forward you don't want them out in their community and not walking into the hospital to be to to to, to be tested and then and then isolated if uh, if uh, positive mm-hmm. public health works when everyone works together from from the federal government to to the local government to the physicians on the ground to the to the, to the patients and if we ostracize people um because they just happen to be from china um that is only gonna gonna allow this this virus to spread further and, and and it's a shame, you know. I, 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I, and I mean, that's just it's it is always a byproduct of when there is something to fear, and you can label that fear onto something. That's what people. Um, there's no real good way to put it, but there's a, a there's an ability to critically think and realize that this one person is not the cause of this issue or this one place is not the cause of this issue. Right. Especially when it's something that occurs like a virus or a disease where there's no way to, there's no, there's no finger to point, but everybody wants to point a finger at something. Right. You know, correct. I think the worst thing that we, that we could do is prevent people from coming forward to be, to be tested. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, the, the virus doesn't pick and choose who it who it infects, so we shouldn't pick and choose who we. Well, and I mean, you you I, I know this for a fact that you specialized and worked with a lot of HIV and AIDS patients, and we did that for d- over a decade, if not two decades. You know, I mean, and <laughs> it's, and, and it's, it's still going on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah, no, and exactly. There you go. Right. I mean, it's a miseducation and mm-hmm. and 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 fear mongering is 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 literally helped that that particular disease continue. Mm-hmm. At, at, at a massive rate so mm-hmm. yeah but there's, anyway there's 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 a way to tackle this ep- epidemic in a uh in a in an ethical way um and and i and i just hope the federal government listens to to, to that and and doesn't and, and doesn't uh make you know make gr- these grand sweeping conclusions because it's not productive yeah well do you have anything else you want to say about this um wash your hands everybody there's still time to get your flu shot. Um, you you are still much un, until the data changes. You're much more likely to get in influenza than COVID nineteen. Let me ask you this real quick before we go. Um, yes. If you have had the flu, should you still get your flu shot? Yes. Yes. All right. There you go. Uh, thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it. This has been a, a really enlightening and interesting conversation about something that doesn't necessarily uh leave a, a ball at your feet so um but it, i mean it's all it's all tied together i mean you know is from a selfish perspective like i said you know i i have plans for the summer that that w- with the euros and and a, a fucking cubs game and i think you should go oh no no matter what we'll still go but i don't know if they'll happen i don't know if those things will be postponed or changed right. or whatever but uh, I mean, there's especially from you know the Euros. I'm a little less worried about, but just from a Cubs perspective, I mean, they play two games. What's them? What what's from? What's keeping them from being like? You know what? We don't really want to risk it. We're just going to keep these two games here in Chicago mm-hmm. and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it get if we do find that it gets worse um, in a, in a country like England, uh, just from the proximity to to Italy and, and, and how much travel goes on from Italy to France to, to, to England, things like that. Yeah, I have a feeling that there might be more cases in the United States than England. Oh, well, it's just by population um, you would yeah. think that it would happen. Yeah, so as as of this morning, there have been 39 cases in the UK um, and 64 cases in the United States. And... The United States is going to ramp up testing, as as I said, it's going to be in the couple hundred to a, a few thousand cases. Well, and that, but that's another part. Weeks. I mean, that's another thing about the, the 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 British infrastructure, though, is that with the recent to decide the recent decision to remove themselves from the EU, they are losing a lot, a large swath of their doctors and nurses, and and um, yes, 
and and medical professionals so mm-hmm. you know and 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 who the fuck knows what's going to I mean and and we just did uh I just read about today about us um allowing former medical professionals to reinstate um if to, to like people basically retired from doctoring um and they were asked to come back yeah yeah um is that because we're seeing a shortage of doctors in the US or is that just because we feel like we need all hands on deck the United States um, health infrastructure, and particularly the um, the public hospitals that I work for, um, are understaffed. Um, we are currently full, just because it's in influenza season, mm-hmm. um, and that fills the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I think if there's a large influx of patients. It's going to be very trying on the health system um, in Chicago and globally. Um, having 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 more more doctors and staff is uh, helpful. Yeah. But um, you know we 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 just need we just need more beds. We just need more hospital beds in yeah. in in, uh, in in Chicago to be prepared for this. All right. Well, um, again, thank you so much for for talking us through this um yeah I'll definitely i'm definitely going to do something where i put this up online and try to spread it around as much as possible uh well no I, pun I've, intended nor nor a, it was kind of a bad phrase but perhaps it'll go viral yeah it might go viral <laughs> well i appreciate the beer because i've i've had a long i've had a long two weeks yeah no nah, well and i'm sure it's not going to be any shorter for the next two weeks mm-hmm. or the two weeks after that but um you know it's the same thing with everything that pops up like this, uh, which I know is, I'd say it's few and far between, but it's few and far between for the public, not necessarily yourself, that sees new versions of influenza every single flu season. So, right. you know, this is just worse than some of those those versions. So, uh, so thank you for all you do. Um, and uh, we'll be back for episode 20. And hopefully we can talk about uh, some lighter subjects and, and figure out, and hopefully we have more news and, <laughs> and I'll keep getting uh, updates from, from John and, and putting him on the podcast about what we're seeing around the world. And um, hopefully that, hopefully we can find our way back to some form of the norm. Um, I know that people are really freaking out right now, but at the same time, as John said, panicking doesn't necessarily solve anything, uh, being prepared solves stuff. So wash your hands um we'll be back next week thank you so much uh and i'll see you then thanks john thanks for having me yeah that ball was on the line the ball was at least one meter over the line who gives a shit that ball was on the line the ball was at least one meter the ball was at least one meter over the line who gives a shit